Let's begin our uh, session with the invocation prayers. It will all be displayed on the screen. So kindly join your palms and repeat after me the invocation prayers. Let's dedicate this uh, session to His Divine Grace, Isi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder Acharya of Iskon and also my beloved spiritual master. So kindly join your palms and let's begin with uh, Pranam Mantra. Namo Vishnu Padaya. Namo Vishnu Padaya. Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale. Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale. Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta. Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta. Vamin Nitina. Saraswati Devi Namaste Saraswati Devi Gaurabhani Pracharine Gaurabhani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Vashyat Deshatarine Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Radhe Vrindavaneshwari 
all the instructions and especially who becomes free from kama and krodha kama krodha vimuktanam so for such a person yatinam yatachetasam so he is saying that for such a person abhito brahma nirvanam i become easily available liberation is actually waiting at his doorstep so you can understand that how this kama and krodha are such a great enemies who are actually stopping us from experiencing the spiritual bliss and it is not so easy to overcome these two enemies kama and krodha are extremely uh, it is uh, very deeply uh, within our consciousness it is residing within our consciousness and it has a uh, very good spots like krishna has explained in the previous chapter also the sitting places of kama and krodha what are the sitting places of kama and krodha all the five senses and the mind and intelligence so this is where kama and krodha resides so now take out all these things from different uh, uh, you know both gross body and the subtle body it's not so easy so what krishna is recommending is in order to remove this kama and krodha which are actually the enemies and by becoming free i am going to become available to you and you can experience higher blissful spiritual bliss so all this is very much possible but for that krishna is saying that you have to do certain thing what are you supposed to do so krishna is explaining that in the 27th chapter so let's see what it is so there you can unmute yourself and let's see what krishna is trying to say in the 27th verse so repeat after me so there are two verses both 27 and 28 together so let's chant uh, both the shlokas yes स्पर्शान कृत्वा बहिर्भायाक्षुशवांतरे ब्रुहो प्राणापानौसमोकृत्वाभ्यंतरचारिण next verse 28 verse yetendriya manobuddhir yetendriya manobuddhir munir moksha parayana munir moksha parayana vigatecha bhayo krodho vigatecha यह सदा मुक्त वंडरफुल सो प्लीज रीड द ट्रांसलेशन बाई योर सेल्फ शटिंग आउट ऑल एक्सटर्नल सेंस ऑब्जेक्ट कीपिंग द आईज एंड विजन कॉन्सेंट्रेटेड बिटवीन द टू आईब्रोज सस्पेंडेड द इनवर्ड एंड आउटवर्ड ड्रेस विद द नॉस्ट्रल एंड जस्ट कंट्रोलिंग द माइंड सेंसेस एंड इंटेलिजेंस the transcendentalist aiming at liberation becomes free from desire fear and anger one who is always in this state is certainly liberated wonderful thank you so much dev <clears throat> so krishna is explaining here sparshan kritva bahir bhayam chakshush chaivantare bruho so krishna is saying that how we need to shut down all the external sense objects 
keeping the eyes and vision concentrated between the two eyebrows. So let's understand this. So Krishna is saying that external sense objects. What are the sense objects externally that we see? We come across external sense objects like all the beautiful forms. Then we have the sound sources. Then we have the smell. So we have the taste and all these different things which are related to the five senses are called the external sense objects. Now there are varieties of sense objects. Now what Krishna is saying there, if you want to actually enjoy internally, then first thing is minimize. In fact the yogi in this particular verse if you see, it's not even minimize, Krishna is saying shutting down all the external sense objects. And this is the state we all have to acquire. But how are they supposed to do this? Krishna is explaining this in this chapter. He is saying that you have to focus your concentration in middle of the eyebrows. There is the Agniya Chakra there. Now this is very difficult. You know this is the part of Astanga Yoga. The verse number 27 is actually talking about external sense control through the process of Astanga Yoga. You know, bringing your concentration, all your focus in between the eyebrows. He's saying that Chakshush Chaivantre Bruho. Bruho means eyebrows. So in between the eyebrows, you need to focus. Suspending the inward and outward breaths within the nostrils. Now who can do this? Let's just listen and understand. It is practically impossible for a person in Kali Yuga. First of all, we don't know what is inward and outward breath. Some people who are actually understanding and learning Ayurveda, they may understand certain things about this different types of airs, you know, like we have understood prana, apana, udana, ayana, samana, these are the five types of airs and how to balance these five types of airs. And Krishna in one of the words previously has also explained that how we have to control the outgoing breath into the incoming breath, incoming breath into outgoing breath. All these things we have understood. So imagine now, we are not even conscious about our breathing. We are just breathing. We are existing. But are we really conscious about our breathing? No, we are not. But here Krishna is saying, you have to focus. We have to be completely uh, suspending all the inward and outward breaths. You have to control your breaths. It's extremely difficult. So why it is difficult? Because this is not the process for Kali Yuga. And Arjuna has rejected this particular system of uh, yoga in Dwapar Yuga because he was existing in Dwapar Yuga. Krishna, when he is explaining all these things in the next chapter, Arjuna is saying, Oh Krishna, this is very difficult. I cannot do all these Ashtanga Yoga processes. It's impossible. Yes, it is impossible because for this process, one is supposed to actually go to the jungles. Just see, you have to go to the jungles to actually practice this Ashtanga Yoga. Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara, Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi. These are the eight steps. But now, who is going to follow all these Yama and Niyama? People only know about Asana and Pranayama these days. Very, very popular. If you see on the Yoga Day 21st June, Everybody is busy doing asana. They only know asana. And little bit of pranayama these days. This is what they know. But this is not enough. Because yama and niyama has to be followed. Yama means don'ts. Niyama means certain do's. 
So do's and don'ts, they don't follow. Morning they drink milk, night they drink beer and then they want to do asana and pranayama, that's not going to work. You see? It is like hasti snana, I have explained this to you before. It is just going to be an elephant bath. Elephant will go, take bath in the river, come back again on the shore and again put all the dust onto it. So there is no use of such yoga and asana. It's not possible like that. What Krishna is explaining here specifically is pratyahara. If you see, he is explaining shutting down all external sense objects. Pratyahara means it is the fifth stage of Ashtanga Yoga. So in the fifth stage, Pratyahara, you are supposed to control all the senses. Pratyahara means exactly this, shutting down all the sense objects. There is no contact between the senses and the sense objects. This is what is called Pratyahara. Only when your senses are completely controlled, both the external, the five senses, gross senses, as well as your subtle senses, mind, intelligence and false ego. When all the senses are properly controlled, that is the stage that will help you, enable you to get into the sixth stage, that is dharana. Dharana means, okay, now you completely understand by becoming detached from the external body, you are now focusing on yourself. Dharana is the state when you get to know that I am not this body, I am the spirit soul. This is the stage of Dharana. Then comes Dhyana. That is the seventh stage. You see, only after self-realization, actually you enter into Dhyana state. But today, everybody is meditating. Meditating on what? Meditating on one red light, meditating on one candle light, meditating on a dot on a so many things. They'll meditate on so many nonsensical things. But meditation means what? Meditation on the Paramatma. That is yoga. Yoga is between, linking between Paramatma and the Jivatma. But they are linking with all these different uh, so-called systems that has been created. Meditation, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. What is meditation? Meditation means a yogi is able to see a stone and gold on equal platform. Only when you are able to see a stone and gold on equal platform, you can do dhyana. That will come in the last 18 chapter. Krishna is going to explain that. Now just imagine, are we in that state? If somebody takes a stone and then, you know, I throw a stone at you, you will say, Prabhuji, please, please, don't throw a stone. What are you doing? But then if I take a gold biscuit and I throw at you, then you say, oh, Prabhuji, please, throw more. <laughs> right? Why? Because we are not on the equal platform. If I am throwing gold, you say, throw more. So, we are not in the state to see gold and stone on an equal platform. So, we cannot do dhyana. So, this is where Krishna is saying that, Nasyabhyantara charino. Nasyabhyantara means you have to control your breath, both inward and outward breath, within your nostrils, which is impossible. But Krishna is explaining this because, Krishna is gradually taking Arjuna's consciousness from Arjuna's conception was what? Either I should perform action or I should renounce. Only these two things were going on in Arjuna's mind. No, I should either fight or I should renounce everything and go. But what Krishna is explained in the last uh, uh, two, three chapters is Krishna is trying to uh, make Arjuna understand that you have to perform action with renunciation. It is not Action or renunciation, Krishna is saying, action with renunciation. 
So this is what Krishna is explaining. And for that you have to control all these things. So many beautiful things Krishna has explained. And then in the next two words, Etendriya Mano Buddhir. Now in the first 27 shloka, Krishna is explaining that you have to control all the external sense objects. In the 28th word, Krishna is saying, Etendriya Mano Buddhir. Munir Moksha Parayanaha. Vigatecha Bhayokrodo Yasada Mukta Evasaha. So such a person will completely become free from desire, fear and anger. Now, Krishna is always talking about Kama and Kroda. But where is this Bhaya coming into now? See, Bhaya is coming into picture. Vigatecha Bhayakrodo. Actually, when we have material desires, material desires actually become a source of fear. If you see, the fear that we have has a root cause in material desires. Because any time when we have a material desire popping up in our consciousness, the next thing attached to it is fear. Why? Oh, I have this material desire. What if this desire will not get fulfilled? I have the fear. It is automatically attached. Fear is attached to material desires. So as long as we have material desires, material ikcha, vigatecha, bhaya will be there. And moment when our desires are frustrated, it will give rise to krodha. It will give rise to anger. What Krishna is saying? See, Krishna explained in the previous verse that if you become free from kama and krodha, liberation is guaranteed. Now Krishna is explaining how to become free from kama and krodha. He is explaining you have to control your senses. And then both gross senses and your mind and intelligence. Only when you do this, then you are becoming free from ikcha, material desires. And the byproduct of material ikcha is fear. You will become free from fear. And automatically you will become free from krodha also. That means this is the process. If you follow, then you will be able to get liberation. Yes, sada mukta evasaha. See, Krishna is saying mukta evasaha. So such a person is liberated. Liberation doesn't mean that when you go to the spiritual world, then you are liberated. No. Actually, if you can somehow at this point of time, in this very lifetime, if you are able to control all your senses nicely, your mind and intelligence nicely, you control them, you are a liberated person. Krishna is saying, Yaha sada mukta evasaha. Yaha means in this very lifetime, you are already liberated. It doesn't mean that you have to go to the spiritual world and then become liberated. No. So that is how Krishna is saying you can become liberated. Liberated means you are fully free from all the material desires. And actually the real joy, you know, the real bliss, the real uh, experience of joy comes when you become free from all this material desire. Just yesterday, you know, I was uh, talking to my sister who is also in um, Virginia and uh, she was all of a sudden saying that how I have now everything materially so-called but this is not giving me happiness at all. So she was saying that how in spite of having all the material opulence 
I have understood that these things cannot give any happiness to human beings. So, she was quite uh, convinced about this. So, I was really happy to hear this from my own sister. <laughs> because when people are so much uh, enamored by the glamour of the external world, there are some people who have already got such things and they are now fed up. Okay, now this is not going to give me happiness. Now they want to look into what is Krishna consciousness? What is the inward joy? And now since they are chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra regularly, understanding Bhagavad Gita regularly, there is so much of joy they are experiencing. So, this is a very uh, a nice thing that we have to understand that Krishna Consciousness is very simplified for all of us, my dear devotees. It cannot be more simpler than this, especially for us being uh, the Kali Yuga products. All these tough things are not given to us. Actually, in Satya Yuga, even if you commit a sin in the mind, not grossly, you know, if you commit uh, a sin in the mind, you know, you imagine, you think of uh, killing a person in the mind, that is a sin. And you get a reaction for that particular uh, thinking, that particular thought in the previous yugas. But in Kali Yuga, all that is not there. The offenses we commit in the mind are not giving us any reaction. Only if you commit grossly some sin, you get a reaction for that. And that is one thing. At the same time, the process of getting rid of all the sins is also simplified in Kali Yuga that is just by chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So same process of uh, Sparshan, Kritva, Bahirbhayam, Krishna is saying all that is not ready, not possible in this Kali Yuga. Prabhupada has simplified this for us. So you can become free from desire, fear and anger by doing these processes but in Kali Yuga this is not recommended. So let's chant sincerely the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Let us take shelter of these holy names properly. Because as long as we don't take shelter of hearing the holy names, hearing this Bhagavad Gita, we will always have some material desires. The best way to get rid of material desires is to hear more about Krishna, Krishna Katha. The more you hear about Krishna, automatically material desires will get transformed into spiritual desires. Hearing is the first process of becoming purified. So, chanting and hearing and hearing the Srimad Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam will reduce our material desire automatically. This is the process and this is practical. You, when you see Prabhupada, when he went to the western world and he was preaching to all the westerners there, what did he do? He was simply chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, Sankirtan and he was speaking Bhagavad Gita. And just by hearing the pure transcendental knowledge, the sound vibration of Krishna and the pure devotee like Prabhupada, what happened? All the material desires of these materialistic people, all the hippies, they got transformed. It automatically reduces. It automatically, you know, all these material desires will get rid of you. You don't have to get rid of them. They will get rid of you. This is the power of the holy names, right? And you can experience the joy. So let's go to the next verse, 29th verse. This is the last verse of chapter 5. So let's chant this. So Hinamataji, please unmute yourself and let's chant the final verse of chapter 5.
Hope this is visible to you. Yes, Prabhu. Bhoktaram yagna tapasam. Bhoktaram yagna tapasam. Sarva loka maheshwaram. Sarva loka maheshwaram. Surudam sarva bhutana. ज्ञात्वा माम शांति मृच्छति लेट्स डू दिस वंस अगेन भोक्ताराम यज्ञ तपसा महेश्वरम सुहृदम so beautiful words and uh, actually uh, prabhupad he says that this is the peace formula so it is so nice that uh, if at all we want to be happy the first thing is our mind should be peaceful why people are not happy today is because the mind is very disturbed extremely disturbed you see so when people have a very disturbed mind where is the question of happiness because happiness comes only when there is peace shanti but today there are so many psychological disorders people are not happy why is that people are not happy or not peaceful that is because prabhupada explains that you have not understood this very foundation of what is reality what is that reality the reality is bhoktaram yagna tapasam sarvaloka maheshwaram if you understand that krishna is the ultimate bhokta bhokta means enjoyer now you see how is this leading to our peace yes when we are thinking that i am the enjoyer then you have to struggle to enjoy but when you know that krishna is the ultimate enjoyer then you don't have to struggle but when you think that you are the enjoyer you have to struggle and when you struggle then there is no peace so you should know that ultimate enjoyer is krishna bhoktaram yagna tapasa that is one the second is sarvaloka maheshwaram krishna is saying that i am the master of sarvaloka i am completely dominating everything every loka belongs to me now this is a very very powerful statement please understand 
each one of us is trying to be mastered in this material world. We have a little 60 by 40 site and we think that, oh, this belongs to me. I have a little one acre or two acre of land and I think that, oh, this belongs to me, I am the master. Now Krishna is saying, Sarva Loka Maheshwaram. Sarva Loka Maheshwaram means, you should know, it is not simply 160 by 40 site or not just um, this particular uh, uh, tract of land in India. No. You know, in um, school we used to study, there used to be a, a political map. You know, political map is what? It is politically divided. The whole world is actually one, but then there is a political map. Political mean, poli political map is divided because of politics. Politics will divide, it will make borders. You know, this is the border India, this is Bangladesh, Pakistan, US and Europe and so many things are divided because it's a political map. So Krishna is saying, I am the master of all this, whether political map or whatever map, all belongs to me. Now, not just this planet, Krishna is Sarvaloka Maheshwara means, oh, it's not just this planet. Some people think that it is Navagraha. Navagraha means, okay, these nine planets are there. That is what Krishna is referring to. No, 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 no. Krishna is saying Sarvaloka Maheshwaram. That means all the planets within this universe, all the galaxies and everything, all that you think of in this material world is belonging to Krishna. And what is this material world, by the way? It is just one-fourth of the total creation. It is one-fourth just just Pado o sevishya bhutani tripadasya amritam divi Pado means one pada. One pada is material world. Three pada is spiritual world. So Krishna is Maheshwara for this one-fourth of material world and three-fourth of spiritual world. Now you can imagine. So Krishna is saying Sarvaloka Maheshwaram. He is dominating all the material and the spiritual world. But we are having this 30-40 side and we are saying I am the Maheshwara. Now when you think like this, we are thieves actually. Because we have taken something from Krishna. All that we have, material assets, is actually borrowed from Krishna. And by borrowing that from Krishna, I am thinking this belongs to me. And as long as we are thinking that this belongs to me, it will keep us restless. It will never give us peace. But the moment intelligently we think, oh, actually this is not belonging to me. Actually I am a thief. I have taken everything from Krishna and claiming it to be myself. It's mine. That is wrong. This wrong thinking that it belongs to me is actually giving us restlessness. The very wrong thinking that, yes, this body belongs to me is itself a wrong conception because this body does not belong to me. It belongs to Krishna. Because we have not created this body. So, but we are so attached thinking that, oh, it's my body. So as long as you think that all the material assets, including not just your home, your uh, gadgets or your car and bungalow, your relationships, your own body, as long as you think all these things belong to me, it will give you restlessness. It will not give you peace. Just see, this is the peace formula. Now, this is paradigm shifting. If we can change our perception, oh yes, actually this is not belonging to me. Everything belongs to Krishna. When this idea comes to us, that everything belongs to the Supreme Purusha. Purusha means enjoyer. That is why he is saying, Bhoktaram, Yajna Tapasam. Ah, we are not Purushas. 
वी आर प्रकृति एंड प्रकृति इज सपोज टू सर्व द पुरुषा एंड बाय सर्विंग द पुरुषा प्रकृति इज गेटिंग जॉय सी दिस इज हाउ इट इज द सीक्रेट ऑफ बींग हैप्पी इज बाय गिविंग प्लेजर टू पुरुषा प्रकृति इज गेटिंग प्लेजर गिविंग एंजॉयमेंट टू द एंजॉयर वी आर गेटिंग हैप्पीनेस बाय बींग एंजॉयड बाय द सुप्रीम एंजॉयर वी विल बिकम joyful this is the secret so what are we supposed to do is this finger cannot independently think i will be happy i will enjoy the food that is a wrong thinking but when this finger understand that oh i can enjoy only when i feed the stomach then i will get nourishment that intelligence should be there but no no i am rebellious i don't want to feed the stomach i want to enjoy everything then this finger will slowly become weak that is what is happening to us right now because we are not thinking that krishna is the supreme enjoyer everywhere there is some certain element of that tendency to lord over we all are somewhere to some degree we are thinking that i am the master oh this is under my control that is under my control my job is under my control this my health is under my control you know my relationships are under my control oh many things we think of controlling but we are not the controllers we get frustrated so krishna is saying don't think like that sarva loka maheshwaram he is the supreme enjoyer and he is the maheshwar of everything but just imagine krishna is the most powerful master he is actually uh, enjoyer and at the same time Uh, he is uh, owing everything on this planet everything belongs to him now if you have a master who is so powerful at the same time everything is under his control and just imagine he is very very crude rude at heart then think what will happen to you just like hitler you know hitler was thinking that oh i want to rule germany not just germany i want to completely invade europe and i want to take over asia also just imagine this was his mentality so he wanted to become sarvaloka maheshwaram but he got frustrated alexander the great he also thought okay i'll become sarvaloka maheshwaram but he got frustrated all these people you know they wanted to become masters maheshwara but they all got frustrated Ah, the question is now. Just imagine, Krishna is not like Alexander or Hitler. They had very limited power and controlling abilities. Krishna has all the controlling and power abilities, extremely powerful. But just imagine if Krishna was like Hitler, you know, very rude and crude. What would happen to us? You know, he could dictate us, and we would just. Uh, always rot in the hellish conditions but krishna is not like that krishna is saying that surudam sarvabhutana he is the most powerful he is the supreme enjoyer at the same time he is not exploiting us but he is the supreme benefactor mostly you see in the people even in a corporate world you must have seen anybody who is having a senior position who is very powerful the general tendency of any ruler is to somehow control exploit the people below him but krishna is not like that he is a supreme enjoyer supreme controller at the same time 
ही इज द सुप्रीमली कंपैशनेट पर्सन सुहृदम स्वागतम मीन्स यू नो यू वेलकम समबडी सुस्वागतम मीन्स विथ वॉर्म वेलकम सो हृदयम मीन्स विथ हार्ट कृष्णा सिंह सुहृदयम सुहृदम सुहृदम मीन्स आउट ऑफ माई हार्ट From my heart, I am very compassionate to all such beings who think that I am the supreme enjoyer and I am the supreme uh, controller of everything. So this is uh, compassion of the Lord. And Krishna is saying, "Sarva bhuta na." Krishna is not saying that I am only compassionate to human beings. Now there are a lot of uh, humanitarian activities goes on. You know, there are a lot of things that goes on. in the name of uh, humanitarian activities and you know. krishna is saying no sarvabhutanam i am not just focused on one species there are 84 lakh species and i am concerned of all these concerned about all these different species of life i am sarvabhutanam surudam so where can we get such a master who is uh, so compassionate really master means uh, we have to serve him we have to take his dictations we have to sometimes uh, even if you are not willingly unwillingly we have to serve some people krishna is saying no i am very compassionate gnatvama shantim rachati if you can just know this my quality of that i am very compassionate towards you i am helping you just this will give you so much of happiness because you just imagine put yourself uh, in the position of a small child you know a small child who is lost in a marketplace in a mall or in a fair you know sometimes in fair there are so many people who are attending and uh, there is lot of uh, buzzing activities and a small child gets lost you know somehow uh, his parents are away and he got lost you know how bitterly it cries the child is uh, Uh, you, it's unstoppable. It's just going on, crying and crying so much. Why? Because it's away from its parents, and it's in fear. What will happen to me? Because the small child is completely dependent on its parents. So we have to understand, and we have to take that position of a child that I am completely dependent on the Supreme Lord, our my Supreme Father. and as long as we don't accept that we are not dependent on that supreme father we will keep crying in this material bitterly we are crying bitterly here that's why any attempt to become happiness is getting frustrated here because we have missed out this very point we are not accepting the fact that krishna is the supreme he is the supreme enjoyer every time we are thinking that i am the enjoyer and as long as we think like this we will continue to remain in this material world birth after birth after this lifetime krishna will say okay you want to enjoy you want to be the enjoyer all right i'll give you another body keep enjoying you take whatever body you want you take a tiger body lion body bird body fish body whatever body you want to you want to enjoy you enjoy but are we happy so this is the peace formula shantim rachati so prabhupada has very clearly made us uh, this point and he has given this peace formula that please take advantage of this simply understand 
as I am not the enjoyer, Krishna is the enjoyer. And by giving pleasure to Krishna, I will be happy. So, now you have to uh, translate all your material activities into spiritual activities by the instructions of Bhagavad Gita. By following the instructions of the Bhagavad Gita, now just like Arjuna will shift his material consciousness to spiritual consciousness, we will also transform ourselves from material consciousness to spiritual consciousness. So what is happening now, at the end of this chapter, which is Karma Yoga Action in Krishna Consciousness, this is the fifth chapter. So what's happening, Krishna has now given the hint in the previous verse, in the 27th verse about Ashtanga Yoga. So what he is going to do in the 6th chapter is, he is going to explain in detail about this Ashtanga Yoga. So Prabhupada explains, he has titled this as Shankar Yoga. So analytical study of your body, mind and everything. So 6th chapter is amazing. There are very beautiful things that will come up in 6th chapter. And uh, more elaboration of this Sankhya Yoga is also in the Srimad Bhagavatam 3rd Canto. So where Kapila Muni is explaining to his mother Devavuti about Sankhya Yoga. So this Sankhya Yoga is very nice. There are a lot of technicalities here. So what happens now in the first 6th chapter Krishna is mostly focusing on Karma Yoga. And in the middle 6th chapters that is from chapter 7 to chapter 12 Krishna is now going to focus on Bhakti Yoga. Now, although Krishna has touched upon Karma Yoga, He has touched upon Jnana Yoga, He has touched upon Ashtanga Yoga, but ultimate, the topmost yoga system is Bhakti Yoga. So, that is sandwiched between the 18 chapters. The 6 chapters, 7 to 12, is where we will extensively, Krishna is going to extensively talk about Bhakti Yoga. And the last six chapters, it's mostly dealing with the material nature, the three gunas, the, uh, the demoniac and the divine qualities. So all these things will come in the last six chapters. So first six chapters is all about Karma Yoga. Middle six chapters is all about Bhakti Yoga. So, it's very, very nice transition that is going to happen uh, and we will understand how Krishna is so intelligent to transform Arjuna's uh, uh, confusion into such a, a blissful thing where he is ready to fight with full vigor and with so much of joy. Now, when he is fighting, he is going to fight after listening Bhagavad Gita, he is going to be with full uh, uh, enthusiasm and he knows that this is the greatest service that he can do to Krishna. So that is what is going to happen to our lives also. When we understand Bhagavad Gita properly, we will understand that, oh, all this time I was simply wasting my life but now after following Bhagavad Gita the same activities that I was doing earlier will become so jubilant, it will become so wonderful that you see that, yes, this activity of mine is now service to Krishna. Everything is now for the pleasure of Krishna. So, that will happen gradually. Okay? So, with this we uh, finish uh, chapter 5. And uh, please excuse me, I could not extend much because, in fact, I was thinking uh, that I was through so much of exertion in the last 4-5 uh, days because of my travel and extensive uh, travel and meeting a lot of people in Vishakapatnam uh, and it was quite humid there 
in fact uh, i was thinking i should cancel the session today but i was so inspired that uh, morning i got message from kaushik also he said that please send me the link and <laughs> i thought okay let me go on and let's do this and it's very important that when i went there to this place vishakhapatnam very beautiful place and uh, i had uh, i got a chance to go to simachalam simachalam is uh, very close to vishakhapatnam and uh, it is a place where there is a beautiful temple of lord narasimha and the deity was uh, uh, always is always covered with sandalwood all throughout the year the deity of narasimha is covered throughout uh, the year with sandalwood paste and only once in a year on akshay tritiya this sandalwood paste is removed and fresh sandalwood paste is put again it is just for 8 hours or 10 hours where the lord is completely visible so whenever because it's quite humid there and sandalwood paste when they take it out in fact the temperature raises in the city they say like that and sometimes they see uh, even lord narsimha's uh, body is sweating so very beautiful so what happened this temple on simachalam is again on a hillock you know hiranyakashipu such a great demon he wanted to kill his own son prahlad maharaj so he had ordered his uh, other demons his soldiers that please throw off my son from a cliff into the into the ocean so these demons they bought prahlad maharaj and standing on this particular uh, hill simachalam simadri they wanted to throw prahlad maharaj into the ocean and at that time narsimha lord narsimha appeared and he killed all the demons and protected uh, prahlad maharaj and uh, Prahlad Maharaj, even before Hiranyakashipu was killed, Prahlad Maharaj got a chance to see Narasimha Avatar, and then Prahlad also requested Lord Narasimha, "My Lord, I want to see your form. Which form? Varaha Avatar, which killed his uncle. Whose uncle? Who is that uncle? Hiranyaksha, the brother of Hiranyakashipu. So, on this spot of Simhadri, Lord Narasimha gave darshan to Prahlad in the form of Varaha Dev also." so very beautiful temple was built by prahlad maharaj here later on again because of the time you know satyuga passed by and so many yons passed by the temple was covered and once the king pururava with urvashi when they were flying uh, above this uh, simhadri there was a very strong attraction pururava felt and he said oh there is something happening here i should go and see what is there so when he dig this place and he found that oh there is a beautiful uh, deity of lord narsimha he again built this beautiful temple and uh, later on again because of uh, the time there was a destruction then krishna devaraya he built the temple and some kings from odisha also later on they renovated and they uh, built this temple very beautiful temple so i got a chance to visit this uh, place there and uh, i got some prasadam also i suppose i cannot give you prasadam but very nice prasadam we got there and uh, this was a brief about simhachalam so when you get a chance to go to vishakhapatnam any time you please visit simhachalam also and there is a very nice temple of kanak mahalakshmi in vaizag in vishakhapatnam so this uh, particular deity of lakshmi devi was found in the heart of the city in the well and uh, the king then it was found in 1915 like that very recent about a century ago and then uh, the lakshmi deity was bought out and 
they built a small temple. But then because it was in the middle of the road, uh, people thought, okay, this is going to be very difficult. So they wanted to shift the Lakshmi Devi temple to some other place. And moment they did that, there was an epidemic there. And uh, then people realized, oh, a lot of people are dying. So maybe this is because of uh, shifting the Lakshmi Devi to another place. They brought back Lakshmi Devi to the same original place. They installed and built a beautiful temple. And then this epidemic and everything vanished. So very beautiful temple again of Kanak Mahalakshmi. So these two temples, if you get a chance, so please try to visit them. So with this, uh, I'm done with my session today. A brief session today. So if you have any questions, please feel free to unmute yourself and you can ask. And also anybody listening on YouTube, you can also feel free to ask questions. We have Achyutanji also who has joined us. Yes. Let me add Vinodji. Yes. Any questions, please feel free to ask. Prabhuji, I have asked in the chat section. Okay, let me check. Mother. Oh, there are so many questions actually. Okay. Okay, when you say Krishna is the supreme enjoyer, how do we apply in our daily life? Can you please elaborate? Also Prabhuji, what happens when we suffer? Does the same apply? Okay, so when you say that Krishna is the supreme enjoyer, how can we apply in our daily life? What happens is, Right now, when we think about enjoyment, we think of enjoyment in the sense of, I should do something and the result of that should be enjoyed my, by me. So when I perform an action and I get the result and I enjoy it, that is my enjoyment. So what happens is, I perform action and there is a result and I enjoy that result. So now, it's very simple. What you are supposed to do is, I am performing action directly for my pleasure. So instead of that, in, you perform action but for the pleasure of Krishna. So, I do this action because Krishna is pleased. Not because I want to enjoy the result of it directly. So when our consciousness shifts from, let me enjoy my results directly, instead of that, okay, I am doing this for the pleasure of Krishna and whatever result comes through the mercy of Krishna, I will accept it as prasadam. So then what happens is, you will enjoy, you will become an enjoyer automatically. So what is happening is, in your consciousness, you are only thinking of giving pleasure to Krishna. You are not worried about the result. Now what happens, most people in the outside world, they want to derive happiness they want to enjoy how by directly obtaining the results of their actions. And that is where the frustration comes because many times the result is not in our hand. But when you know that I have to do my action for the pleasure of Krishna and the result is not in my hand, it is in Krishna's hand. So then what happens is whether the result is 5%, 10% or 100%, you know that it is sanctioned by Krishna and I will accept it you will be satisfied. That itself will give you a lot of peace because ultimately this is what is being sanctioned by Krishna. This 50, okay, I did my work for 100% but see Krishna sanctioned only 50% of the result. That's fine because Krishna knows what is best. So when we have this type of consciousness then automatically you will not get disturbed. 
you will think, okay, this is what Krishna is saying. But materialist karmis, they think that, oh, I worked for 100%, but I got only 20%, then there is frustration. Then they will either blame the situation, they will blame the people, they will blame themselves. So much of this blame game will happen, then the frustration comes. They will not be happy. And when there is no peace, then there is no question of thinking about happiness. So, in day-to-day -day life, if we have to apply this, like I told you, every activity that you do, right from morning waking up till the time you sleep, every activity that you do, if you can align that for the pleasure of Krishna. Now, for example, there was one question Kaushik asked yesterday. I will explain that here itself. He was also saying that now... He said, I am working, you know, in the gym, I am doing some workout and I am doing my exercises and sometimes I am driving. So how do I actually think about Krishna? Can that also be a service? Yes, it can be a service. How? Now, for example, you are going to the gym. Now, when you go to the gym, what is the result of that workout? The result of workout is what? Good health, right? When you get good health, that means that good health can be used further for doing proper service to Krishna because if this body, this yantra is unhealthy, how can I perform service to Krishna? I cannot chant properly, I cannot remember Krishna properly. All these difficulties will be there. But the result of your workout is good health. And if you use that good health again for the service of Krishna, then that workout itself is becoming a service. So what is happening is, one is direct service to Krishna, one is indirect service to Krishna. Direct service means like you are a priest <laughs> or you are chanting. When you are chanting holy names, it's a direct service. You are directly contacting Krishna when you are chanting the holy names. When a priest is touching the deity, it's a direct service. He is blessing the Lord, he is doing alankara to the Lord, it's direct service. Somebody is serving prasadam, it's a direct service to the Lord. Now there is indirect service because we are grahasthas, we have to do so many other material activities also. Huh. When we do driving or when we are working out on the, in the gym or any other activity like cooking or we are studying, so when we do this with the consciousness that, oh, ultimately this has to be utilized for Krishna's service. The result of whatever activity you are doing, that has to be utilized for Krishna's service and Krishna's pleasure. That activity of you working in the office, of uh, working out in the gym or cooking in the kitchen itself, is becoming service to Krishna indirectly, but it is also service. It is also service. So this is how both direct and indirect services are helping us to progress in spiritual life. So in one sense, a devotee sees everything in connection with Krishna. He will never see anything without the connection with Krishna. So that is why this is a wonderful thing. So we should not work out in the gym because I want to become a bodybuilder. I want to show off my muscles and all those things. No, that is not our intention. Ah, but I want to do this because I want to get good health so that this good health will help me in better service towards Krishna. Now, that is amazing. That is Krishna consciousness. You see? So, it's the shift in the mind. That's why it's consciousness. It's a game of consciousness. What you externally do it doesn't matter. It's a game of consciousness. I'm not remembering the exact uh, pastime, but I will explain to you sometime. There was an alvar. I forgot his name. Now, he became a thief. Can you imagine? He actually stole one golden deity of Ganesha for 
building uh, to serve the Lord. Now he actually did, uh, he performed theft and uh, still he is a devotee. But stealing is not good, right? But what consciousness, with what intent he did, he is such a great devotee. So you see, what's happening is even stealing sometimes is spiritual because your intention, your consciousness is for the pleasure of Krishna. So, these are certain things. I hope uh, that answers your question, to some extent at least. Yes, so any other question? Okay, there is uh, so much emphasis on Varuna. So, Kaushik is asking how to determine this. So, actually this is a very elaborate thing, uh, Kaushik, because in this uh, state, especially in this Kaliuga, it is extremely difficult to identify Varna because there are no qualified Gurus, because it is the duty of a Guru to identify the Varna. And because there is so much of, uh, uh, you know, intercaste marriages and uh, of course these days uh, caste itself, uh, everybody is a Shudra by birth and then to deeply understand the psychophysical nature of a person, it takes time. Actually, it should be done at a very younger, tender age. Uh, but there are no qualified gurus. It's very difficult to identify the Varna. So, that is why in uh, Kali Yuga, what Prabhupada gave us was, see, we all have certain natural inclination. Everybody. Somebody is expert in singing, somebody is expert in playing musical instruments, somebody is expert in painting, somebody is expert in uh, uh, cooking, so somebody is expert in managing people, somebody is uh, expert in creating new things. Each one of us, we have a, some special talent, we have some special inclination towards things. So I am sure each one of you, in, uh, they must be having Hinamata uh, uh, ji, Vinod ji, Achutan ji, Kaushik, Every one of you will have certain special talent and inclination. So now in this state, because we are unable to identify our Varna very specifically, the best thing that we, would, we could do is the special talent that you have. Just think about that and see if you can utilize that talent in the service of Krishna. So then what happens is, we should know Bhakti is about this Varnashrama. Varnashrama is at a material platform actually. Varna, this four Varna and Ashrama, this whole Varnashrama system is on the material platform. But what Prabhupada said is, we will create Daiva Varnashrama. Daiva Varnashrama means, no matter what special inclination and talent you have, but you make it Daiva Varnashrama means, you all perform your actions, you use your talents for the pleasure of Krishna then what happens is that itself will create a very beautiful environment. In fact, this was one of the major projects that Prabhupada wanted to have. In the later days of his uh, uh, lifespan, uh, you know, in 1977, when Prabhupada was just about to leave this planet, he was extensively talking about creating this Daiva Varnashrama. Extremely important to have this Varnashrama system. Because if everybody is engaged properly, as per their natural inclination, that will give them so much of peace. So even now, 
uh, although the system is not there to uh, support us in our own talents it, so what we can do is in our in this situation we can identify our talents and just work it uh, in such a way that we give it uh, in the service you use it in the service of krishna so that is one way which we can do it but determining uh, extremely difficult very difficult uh, we cannot determine pinpointedly that this is how his particular varna is although <laughs> astrologically when we are born the varna is decided but still the psychophysical nature changes so you can just see one thing at this point you have certain talent you are extremely uh, inclined towards a certain thing just use that inclination for the service of krishna that is the best utility of it so koshik is also thing also you mentioned in the last session that krishna can take away karma from previous births and second previous births in this janma but not this karma of this life if we come back as another form to get rid of karma form karma from number 3 how can we ensure we'll have opportunity for krishna consciousness in that life okay so the question here is you can see in the chat section that there is the karma like i told you there is a, a sanchit karma there is prarabdha karma and there is agami karma so what happens is when we take initiation all the sanchit karma the guru takes away all the deposited karma the good bad ugly all the karma is destroyed when we take initiation from a guru but then there is the prarabdha karma prarabdha karma means that which is allotted for this lifetime that we have to experience we cannot escape that now the question here is if we come back as another form to get rid of karma from that is free because of this present action that is agami karma how can we ensure we'll have an opportunity for krishna consciousness in that life okay now prarabdha karma we have to uh, enjoy and suffer and agami karma is our regularly day to day karma that we are performing and yes by doing this karma it is going to result into another life for any normal person but for a devotee he will not be worried about the next life he will simply think about serving the life and who knows if he is perfected in this very lifetime he will get liberation but if you are not a devotee then what will happen i am doing karma so much there is so much of bad karma good karma i am doing agami karma i am performing and i am also enjoying and suffering my prarabdha karma and i am going to get next life so when a person get next life then again he has to suffer and enjoy based on the karma that he has performed in this lifetime correct but imagine now there is always a danger of losing krishna consciousness but anybody who has performed a little bit of dharma little bit of krishna consciousness in this life swalpam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bhaya krishna has explained in the previous chapter even if you have performed a little bit of krishna consciousness in this lifetime that will be in your eternal bank account anything spiritual anything krishna consciousness will be carried forward in the next lifetime and 
one thing we should always remember that whether a person is a devotee or even he is the most fallen person krishna gives opportunity to everyone to become krishna consciousness now how you see there are so many people in this world and we have come here listening about bhagavad gita we are trying to understand bhagavad gita and we are fortunate does that mean that others are not fortunate no krishna is equally giving opportunity to many many people everybody he is giving this opportunity but they are not using that free will they are may not making the choice to come towards krishna for example you know many times when we go with the bhagavad gita on the streets to sell it to people now we want to distribute bhagavad gita there are some people moment they see bhagavad gita they will accept it now what happens he was just randomly going on the street but krishna gave him an opportunity hey cool there is someone who is giving bhagavad gita go take it from him and immediately he grab it he he made a choice that yes this is bhagavad gita i think this will help me and he will take it but there are so many people they will see this bhagavad gita now krishna gave an opportunity to them also but he rejected no 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 what is this this i will read when i become old right so what's happening is your choices are actually taking you either closer to krishna or away from krishna but krishna is giving equal opportunities to all of us so irrespective of your karma in this lifetime the previous lifetime krishna is giving us opportunities to become krishna consciousness equally in every lifetime so krishna is impartial it is our choice now so you can take it in this lifetime or you can reject it if not you will have to go to the next lifetime and again enjoy your enjoy or suffer your karma but krishna is going to give you opportunities even in the next lifetime irrespective of your karma you are whatever type of a person you are whatever your karma balances krishna will give opportunity but will i make a choice that is left to us so krishna consciousness is not based on our karma yes your enjoyment and your suffering all that is definitely based on your karma but to become devotee is your choice and that choice you will get in this lifetime and in the next lifetime also so krishna is so merciful that's why he's saying surudam sarvabhutanam that's why the point here is he's saying surudam sarvabhutanam i will give equal opportunities to you in every lifetime so karma will not uh, affect your krishna consciousness it is our choice which is affecting us our choice which is keeping us away from krishna it is not our karma so krishna knows karma everybody we have bad bad karma sitting deposited in our heart krishna knows very well if krishna think oh this person is filled with so much of bad karma i will not give him opportunity then what is the hope just imagine if krishna sees all the dirty things that are filled in our heart and he says he is unqualified if krishna rejects us seeing our bad karma then what is the hope <laughs> right there is no hope for us but he is compassionate irrespective of all the dirty deposit that is there in the heart he says surudam sarvabhutana i will not see your karma i will only see your choice whether willingly you want to love me or not that love is only based on independence free will 
love cannot be forced so krishna will not force so that is a krishna is a wonderful gentleman he will never force anybody to love him so we have to make a choice irrespective of our karma so that is the beauty so you don't have to worry even if we miss out in this lifetime you have already heard bhagavad gita you have a greater chance of becoming krishna conscious even in the next lifetime absolutely no problem but this does not mean that okay prabhu ji anyway i have done little bit of bhakti in this lifetime so let me anyway take a chance and go to the next life and i'll become an aristocratic fa- uh, person and i will become very rich and i will again become krishna conscious in the next life that, that is a danger thing <laughs> never get into that mentality it's better to wind up in this very lifetime let us not take chance of next life and best thing is krishna says that in this lifetime you can get rid right in this very lifetime you can become free so you don't have to wait for the next lifetime so whatever time we have let's let's perfect in krishna consciousness let's achieve that perfection what an amazing thing it will be so there are many beautiful examples where uh, many old people they were never krishna conscious there was a mother the grandma of a, one devotee uh, in us and um, she was very skeptical about the krishna consciousness and this devotee had shaven the head and he had become full time devotee and uh, somehow this grandmother was very skeptical but this devotee had kept one book called science of self realization and this grandma she started reading one day she was so bored and she started just started reading science of self realization and started reading many more other books of prabhupada and at the point of death which came very soon she was so absorbed in thinking about krishna and then she left the body thinking about krishna all throughout her life she never had any contact with krishna but just at the moment of just before death she got to know about prabhupad books about krishna and she perfected her life so many many such instances are there so we don't have to waste much time now it's already very late so i think it's a good time for us to take up krishna consciousness and we don't have to worry about karma krishna a krishna consciousness is independent of our karma independent of our karma don't worry about the karma krishna will take care of it krishna is only seeing what you surrender to me i will take care of everything sarva dharmam parityajya maam ekam sharanam raja aham tvam sarva papebhyo mokshashyami Masuchaha. What did he say? So in the 18th chapter, Krishna is saying, "You just surrender unto me, and what I will do? Sarva pape bio. I will destroy all your papa. I will give you moksha. That power is there. Krishna has the power. So we don't have to worry about karma. Only thing is what the choice. Good. All right. So with this." Uh, we will end the session and uh, thank you so much once again everyone for joining i really appreciate uh, that every time you make a point to come and join live and uh, it really inspires me also so thank you very much for your time and patience and uh, i really appreciate the kaushik also for joining us for the first time and uh, uh, he made this uh, session possible i mean at this time still he could wake up and in the middle of the night is listening so it's a great sacrifice and uh, yes for more questions kaushik you can call me tomorrow and we can discuss in detail in personal okay so vinod ji thank you so much achyutan ji thank you very much dev 
please take care and hina mata ji please uh, take care all of you and we'll get in touch very soon next sunday again so take care hare krishna hari bol